The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Noi mai hoki mai ki a The Fold e mihi nei my guest this week is Tim Harper, who is the CEO of Glorious, which, as you'll hear, is a company that was not a thing a year ago and now very much is a thing. And the reason why, uh, you know, in that tiny span of time, he, you know, Glorious has grown to, to and, and why I wanted to have him on this podcast is that Glorious is a participant in the NFT world, um, which most of what NFTs are known for right now um, in the sort of popular consciousness is a kind of a, a general scamminess um, and a and or a, an environmental destruction and or a sort of a financial chaos. And that is a big part of the sector. But it's not the whole story, and it's also why why this is why this space is interesting. Why NFTs and crypto and Web three have become an increasing area of fascination for me and for many other people is because they contain seeds of being so much more than that, um, of solving for really pernicious problems of our kind of current the current structure of our media, creative um, economies, and and actually going above that of, of society and democracies in general, I genuinely don't think I'm overstating the, the potential use case for them in doing that. At the same time, I am a journalist by nature, and so I, I have a, a level of, I hope, healthy scepticism, you know, balancing the, the, the fascination. And um, so anyway, Glorious is, is uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of people involved in it as founders from famous names like like Dan Carter and um, Sky TV co-founder Craig Heatley to, to Tim and Murray Tom, who together made the Great New Zealand Songbook and a bunch of other projects which have had a thing in common, which is that they've entered a marketplace, whether that's publishing or uh, music, and they've done something different that has been wildly successful and I think that's really important to understand with in terms of the CVs of, of, of these people is that uh, they saw something that no one else could see and created a product where which no, no one else was making it and, and they, they found a market for it. So Glorious has, um, has gone, gone into NFTs but rather than doing what is the, the sort of default of this post board Ape Yacht Club. Now, for a lot of people listening, they might not know what that is. If, if you don't Google it and maybe read the Wikipedia, but uh, you know, basically you know, there, there are a lot of concepts in here which are related to that, but we've tried to kind of unpack them along the way. What Glorious has done is shy away from that end of it and create very tiny limited editions and create them with uh, legacy artists and, and you know, some of the most famous 
uh, artworks in New Zealand history by the likes of uh, Gordon Walters and Rita Angus and, and do it on a, you know, a carbon positive blockchain rather than Ethereum or, or you know, any of the other blockchains which uh, are out there at the moment. Um, and these are deliberate acts to sort of essentially differentiate themselves from that, that end of the market. They are very much in New Zealand, focused on New Zealand right now, but their eyes are up, they're having conversations internationally and the opportunity for them I genuinely believe is a, is a global one. And because this thing is so new and is being written live in front of us, you know, Glorious could be the next enormous New Zealand technology success. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it all um, plays out. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of capital, there's a lot of concern, rightly, uh, about this whole sector. But, you know, my general position is this thing is happening, whether we like it or not, and scrutinizing it, thinking about it, uh, and and hopefully working on some of its issues while sort of enjoying and teasing out some of the upside is, is you know, where, where a sort of a, a good default rational uh, position should be aware that other people will disagree with it. That's all good. Anyway, this is quite a different and, um, you know, potentially a, a bit more of a buzzy episode of The Fold. Really hope you enjoy it. Thanking Vodafone uh, for making this possible a great technology partner of ours at the spin-off. Make them yours as well. Go to votedophone.co.nz for that. This is Tim Harper, CEO of Glorious on the Fold. Kia ora, Tim, and uh, welcome to the Fold. Oh, thanks, Duncan. Great to be here. Uh, I'm really excited to have you on because I, like many people, I think, have been reading about uh, NFTs and Web3 and crypto and about and, and DeFi and all the, these these uh, big sort of heady ideas um, and, mm. and watching the thing, but the, you know, the, the good and the bad of it um, roll out recently, but not really had an opportunity to, to discuss it with anyone who, who sort of knows it to the extent that you do. And um, so, so, yeah, really happy to have you on the podcast. So you're, Glorious is a, is a very new company and it's selling something which is in some ways very new, but also the way that you're doing it involves, you know, threading back into some of the the most, the oldest, um, most venerable media forms of all. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of, a, it's this mix of the bleeding edge of, of the future and, and the, the very ancient. Do you want to just like, just give me the pitch uh, to, to yeah. <laughs> explain yourself? Well, firstly, you know, it's, it's funny, we're sitting here and a year ago, I didn't even know what an NFT was, you know, and then at the end of last year, it was the Collins word of the year. And here I am now, I suppose, a sort of expert on the subject, running, a, running an NFT sort of company. It's just, it's, it's just hilarious to me how fast this space is moving. So I feel like I might be maybe potentially one step behind you, you know, because, uh, you know, you've been following this space probably a little more closely than I've, I've been trying to sort of, you know, build a business around what we think is the sort of sweet spot um, and the, the interesting place where NFTs can intersect with art and particularly fine art. So that's really where Glorious landed. It was it was a year ago, Murray Tom, my creative partner, we've, we've done many productions over the years for the last sort of 13 years, the Great New Zealand Songbook and the Great New Zealand Cookbook and a few international flavours of those. He texted me saying, do you know what an NFT is? And I said, no idea. And he said, Google it and join me on a call later on that day. Uh, and so I did. And I jumped on a call later on that day. And there's Dan Carter over in the corner. I'm like, oh, 
Kia Dan, you know, we went to the same high school, but we never met before, and that was that was kind of fun. And then Scott McCleaver, um, who is one of the co-founders of Glorious, he, he really is kind of our, how I, I affectionately call him our crypto geek, um, and he works for PwC, and he speaks into sort of, uh, you know, all things crypto. And he was just explaining to us, you know, guys, these are, these are the future. This is a way for you to sort of prove authenticity of something and scarcity of digital assets, which we've never been able to do before. And so as he was sort of talking, my mind was sort of rattling away. And I had just finished this production called The Offering Project. And Murray and I had been working on this for many years. We took 12 old hymns, and then we asked 12 of New Zealand's top recording artists to record those hymns. So Holly Smith and Teeks recorded Fakari Amaya. Dave Dobbin recorded Amazing Grace. And then we asked 12 of New Zealand's top artists to paint an interpretation of those hymns. So Dick Frizzell did um, the Amazing Grace one, for example, and Ruben Patterson did Fakari Amaya. And the whole idea behind it was that we were just sort of kicking something on, you know, hymns which have been, you know, they're not cool at all. Um, but they've kind of been around for 100 years and they were ridden out of times of adversity. And, you know, we thought, well, let's sort of kick them into the into the future, you know, have some fresh recordings of them. And the artists loved it because it was sort of a great collaboration together. And I was sitting there thinking, hearing about NFTs going, um, geez, imagine if we'd released the offering projects with the the way that I'd actually, Murray and I had always intended, which is you've got this beautiful art in front of you and then you click play and you hear the music behind it and you've sort of got this new emotional kind of experience going on. And, um, you know, the, the, the offering project too, we didn't, you know, we raised half a million dollars and we gave every cent to the Salvation Army. And I thought, and, and as Scott was describing NFTs to me and the way these smart contracts worked, I thought, gosh, here is an opportunity for artists to collaborate, find a new sort of creative playground, I guess, to play in. And, you know, you could be raising money for, um, you know, charities. And I think we've all got charities that we love. Um, and for me, you know, I uh, didn't know anything about the Sallies before the Offering Project. I now just adore them. Um, and, and I just love what they do. And I just sort of thought, gosh, the NFTs, we've got this incredible opportunity now to um, – you know, it's this whole, and you, you, you will understand this, and, but this whole idea of secondary um, royalties or royalties that are embedded into the smart contract, meaning that an artist can actually make um, a percentage on, on future sales. Yeah, the, the smart contract thing is, I think, one of the most sort of fascinating and kind of revolutionary elements um, underpinning this. And I want to sort of get into that. But and it's, 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 it's a strange thing, this whole, this whole market, right, because... One of the things I love about it is that it is it is so young and so raw, and you know the, the fact that you know neither of us had heard of NFTs a year ago, and and you know they they didn't really exist as a notion and you know until yeah. a, a few years ago. So there are there are no people who have there isn't like a calcified sort of structural way of doing things. There aren't experts and and you know people and gatekeepers in the same way that there previously were. That's that's all the what, what makes it so sort of fun. Like it's being written right now. Um, Absolutely. The the downside I guess is is that uh you know it, it, there are lots of concepts that require explaining to people and and I guess a huge part of a market maker um yeah, I mean, you're both a market maker and a, and a product creator at Glorious. Is um, is that you have to explain some of these concepts? So, you know, and so you, to, to people who might not have known them or only kind of have mm. a, a relatively lightweight understanding. So, do you want to um, before we get into the sort of the weeds of it? Mm. Do you want to, I guess, explain how you sort of pitch the idea to 
because you've you started out in the fine art um, marketplace. So explain what it is you've done these these first couple of um, big projects and and how you have have sort of explained them to people who might not know anything. Um, at the start of the conversation. Yeah, it's, it's so new. There's so much education in this space and we have to educate two people. We have to kind of educate the artist on what it is that they're actually sort of True. embarking on, which is really fun, you know, um, you know, because thankfully we've got some fabulous relationships and like all things new, you just go to the people that you love and you've got a great relationship with first. So Lisa Rayhana was one of the first people we went and saw. Now Lisa's probably the best example I can give because, you know, arguably there's no one um, you know, more well-recognized internationally as a New Zealand artist. And she's a video artist. Her work in Pursuit of Venus, Infected, was at the Venice Biennale. It's this magnificent video work, and it's on its papa at the moment. If Lisa's trying to sell a work of hers, she has to sell the hard drive, has to get installed uh, in your home, kind of plugged into a TV. And we just have to assume that she... Uh, there are only a certain number. So for NFTs to sort of come along and basically say, look, Lisa, you can now uh, authenticate on the blockchain your works. It could be a scarce, limited edition. For her, it's a very easy notion and and, and really sort of, um, you know, for her, it's what she's been in many ways waiting for. And then you've got other artists, maybe the Rita Angus Estate's a great example. We've just released Cass last week, which was, um, you know, arguably one of New Zealand's most famous landscape paintings. It's um, a, a magnificent work by an artist and, and it's on permanent display so it's something that can never actually be owned by anybody yet again the Rita Angus estate their job is to pass on Rita's legacy to the next generation and so to be able to do a very small scarce limited edition of Cass I think it's kind of a magnificent example of of what you can do with NFTs and they went that one step further her great nephew Quentin Angus um, Compose. He's a jazz musician, and he composed uh, an original composition. So when you own Cass now, um, when you click play, you've got this magnificent sort of musical um, interlude underneath it, and, and you, see, you know you're again getting that sort of response. So the artists are, are intrigued by the space, and you've got artists who are painters. Um, they may be painters, but they may have had a background in animation at art school. And they may have been painting for years, but they may have really loved the idea of animating some of the works that they've done. Or you've got artists like Heather Straka, who's largely in photography these days, but she studied filmmaking um, at university. So this idea now that she can sort of create a video work um, and authenticate it and prove that it's hers. So the artists, um, the artists have wholeheartedly embraced it, which has been wonderful to see. But the public, that's a whole other story. Um, how, do you, how do you take something which is something we've taken off the internet for free, content. We've just taken it ever since the advent of the internet and pr- try to convince someone that it's now valuable. Um, and how do you even enjoy it? And I think that's our journey really with Glorious. When we, when we started, we realized that there was this mainstream opportunity. And I use that word favorably because it's just really how do, I, how do we educate as many people as possible on this um, kind of new technology and for me the easiest way to describe it to people an nft is sort of you know a, a digital certificate of authenticity uh, and you're owning a piece of digital art the way that you would own a screen print edition um from a, from a gallery you're now owning a digital version of that and where do you where do you enjoy that i think the best place to enjoy that is you know we've partnered with samsung 
um, a key partner for us because that's where this kind of physical idea can come alive. They're frame TVs. I don't know if you've seen them before, but they're kind of magnificent. They look like a, a, a framed canvas on a wall. And I, you know, to turn this from a head to a heart thing, you really need to be in someone's home. Uh, you need to sort of, I need to be at your house for dinner and you need to sort of have this beautiful frame there and share the joy of a new NFT that you've collected. Um, and you sort of, I imagine people, I would love to think that we can create a company where people can collect NFTs the way they do vinyl. You know, things of real beauty, real value that you can change out. You know, they, they might, you might only buy one or two a year um, to start with, you know, and, but ultimately you, you can change out the artwork in your home. Um, depending on your mood, you know, and, and we've all been locked down for two years. Real estate, wall real estate in your house is sort of prime and TVs always seem to take up prime real estate, you know, and they're, they're largely off most of the time and they're sort of a big black box. And I think now we have this opportunity like we never have before to actually have art work up on that screen um, that you can have an emotional response to and feel proud to own. And it can be a reflection of you and things that you love and your sort of journey into collecting art. There's a lot that's sort of in that, right? Like I think people are very attached to the ideas of uh, the idea of physical objects, the, the the fact that they're tangible. Like you, if there's an edition of one of a of a painting, you kind of either mm. have it or you, or you don't. And there's been, a, you know, the, the the confronting ideas of this, which actually feel like they're very compatible with art, which has been very challenging about form and so on. It's and transposing these things into a digital environment which where there are you know in some ways there are raging philosophical debates about you know whether culture should be free or, or, or costed and so on but um and and those are kind of wrapped up into this and so people have a very strong response to it often they'll start from a a, a reflexively negative place and then and then journey across um you know the but the thing that I always come back to, the thing that really started to get me interested in it was this idea, because I've been around, you know, artists and in the broader sense of the world, um, you know, for, for a long time. And that sense of um, other people profiting at their expense or their inability to kind of turn the passion that people have for their work into uh, a livelihood is such a, you know, it's in there in, in musicians and fine artists and yeah, you know, writers of of all stripes, and the fact that the 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 smart contracts, which are, you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but they basically allow for all future transactions around the um, the ownership of um, you know an NFT, which you know can be a piece of music or a piece of writing or you know almost anything you can think of that can be digitized. That they will they they can get a percentage of of those sales baked in for. You know the the lifetime of that um, of that object, and and that that feels like one of the most kind of compelling things. And I can, that, which is why I can imagine that when you take this to artists, it feels like it solves for something that felt like it was a forever broken element of the the system of uh, compensating people for their artistic endeavors. Oh, I mean, you know, once that penny dropped for me, I just sort of thought this is. This is a total game changer. I mean, I have uh, I have a son who I can very clearly see is going to be heading off down the, the route of an artist, you know. And I, I have so many friends, and, and again, similar to you, we've, we've, we've worked around artists and, and musicians and chefs and wonderful creatives, you know, for a lot of our careers. 
and we know actually how hard it is to make a living out of it. Um, and you know, it looks all it all looks like they're having the most amazing, wonderful time. But man, they a lot of them are just working so hard, um, and and it must be relatively soul destroying to to paint a work. You know, sell it for fifteen hundred dollars, and then your star ascends for whatever reason. Um, you know, over the next sort of fifteen years, and then all of a sudden, someone's paying a hundred thousand dollars for it, and everyone's making money off it, but you. And I know that for most of the artists, is a real bone of contention, um, and that the smart contract can fix that. It's in perpetuity. So, literally, not only do they make a whole lot more off the first sale than they would if they were selling through a gallery. But on the secondary sale, um, the, 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 just to put some numbers around it, the, you've just bought a, a, a beautiful um, Gordon Walters NFT. Uh, when you sell it, you'll keep 90%, and that other 10% gets divvied up, and 7% of it goes over to the artist. Um, so every single um, on sale for the rest of its um, life uh, that goes to the artist, it's, it's just a game changer. So what you, you have... Deliberately chosen. There's two choices that you have made with Glorious that seem interesting to me. When and and we'll get to the broader current state of the NFT marketplace shortly, and how you sort of interact with that. But uh, th- those choices are one to focus on fine art and actually legacy fine art. You know, uh, artists who are no longer with us and 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 incredibly well-known um, works by them uh, among your first, you know, from, from Gordon Walters and from um, Rita Angus as as your first project, but also like incredibly limited, you know, where, where 10,000 seems to be the number for, you know, many of these sort of post-board ape type uh, projects. You're, you're talking about, you know, a tiny, tiny frag- fragment of that number. Why, why those two choices for Glorious? I think the, the NFT journey for us started when NBA Top Shot were doing uh, editions of 10,000 or open editions, and, and they were selling for 10 or $20. And it was a sort of a closed ecosystem, um, and, and it was a trading card style sort of NFT. And then you had uh, Beeple sell his, you know, um, his work with Christie's, which was sort of 5,000 digital works, you know, combined into a collage for, for some extravagant number, 69 million. I think that happened actually the week after I first ha- heard about uh, NFTs. And so where we kind of landed very quickly was, gosh, if you're not careful, um, here's the opportunity to immortalize something forever, effectively, on the blockchain. So if we're going to do this, let's focus on things that are unequivocally glorious, of, of, in, of incredible intrinsic beauty, worthy of admiration um, from some of the finest collaborators that we can work with. If we're going to be in this game, let's, let's work with those people because we know regardless of the NFT um, market, and we didn't really know what, what, what it even looked like at that point, or the crypto market itself, things which are new to us, uh, not necessarily um, known. And so we thought, well, if we're going to ride this wave or roller coaster, as it's probably more aptly named, you know, we want to be at the fine end. We want to be at the, um, just with real quality, because quality will endure. And so that, that and then that's sort of where Glorious came out of, you know, um, that Murray named it because we knew that we would be safest and probably just enjoy it the most on a personal level, working with just content that we absolutely loved. I mean, I personally, 
you know, think that New Zealand art is just so extraordinary. It should have a bigger presence on the world stage. And just because of our geographical location, you've got to come here and actually experience it. You know, digital art can now, there's no reason now why if we don't do our job properly, we can't find an audience for for John Walsh's incredible work in Scandinavia, for example, and to be able to take New Zealand art to the world. So we thought, well, we love our relationships with our artists from the offering project. We love the, the idea of sort of staying at that fine end. And then, too, just the idea of opening that up into sport, um, into legacy. These authentic digital masterpieces was sort of the tagline we arrived on, which was a masterpiece can be a Cass, uh, it can be a Maho, but it can also be, you know, um, just a glorious victory from Wimbledon or from, you know, the Rugby World Cup. And so we thought, yeah, there's something really interesting about immortalizing joyous, glorious, magnificent content. So that's where we stayed. And, and, and that's, I'm really, I'm so glad that's where we've landed because the NFT landscape is, you know, most people probably aren't engaging in with it, but, but it's, as you said, collections of 10,000 of all sorts of things that to me, I'm not going to comment on the value because a lot of those memberships are around the community that comes with it. And I think there's real value there in community. Um, but where we've kind of landed at the moment is these, you know, additions that are small to start with, but ultimately the ones you're seeing, are, you know, they're very prestige pieces. It's Rita Angus and Gordon Walters, and we're very, very proud of those. But ultimately I want to make these as accessible for people as possible. What's a $1,000 price point? You know, what is, um, what is uh, an edition of 100 look like? Um, and then, you know, this, I, this, this moment too in time, we're realizing that we're borderless. So we don't just have to be a New Zealand art play. Um, we've actually got relationships internationally. So we're talking with, you know, I, 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 I in some ways wish we were having this conversation six weeks from now because we're just having the most amazing, amazing conversations around the world and for some reason they've just sort of seen what we're doing over here at glorious in some ways we're we're in clear air i guess there's very little happening at this end of the market and and i know a lot of legacy brands and and artists are sort of looking to see what's happening in this space we've also chosen to to not go on the ethereum blockchain um, and to instead kind of go on a, on a, on a cl- uh, sort of carbon negative climate positive blockchain out of New Zealand here called Sensnet. It's been a deliberate choice, but it's a real sort of core value for us. There is a lot of environmental messaging and responsibility that needs to sort of take place um, around NFTs. Um, and we've, we want to be, um, you know, you know the, the quality of the artists that we um, are working with, you know, to their own personal integrity and to our own, you know, it's just important that we actually did the absolute best that we possibly could, which is why it's taken us a little longer to get to market from when we first announced. Uh, so much. And, and on all of that, um, we're going to take a little break and come back with uh, more from Tim shortly. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O-Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. So just before the break, we were discussing, uh, you know, th- those deliberate choices you've you've made and, and the way that they separate you from the sort of broad brushes of the the current nft marketplace 
you know, and, and as an observer, like there, there are, as you alluded to, like the, there is, I think, a, a, quite a common misconception that with the, you know, the sort of addition of 10,000 post-crypto parks, post-board uh, ape sort of long tail, that they are about the artwork, when in fact, a lot of them tend to sell on the community. And they say that that is where a lot of the value sits. You get into a Discord server, you can do things together. You're in, you know, there's you can make products, you can have parties, you can it can operate like a sort of a decentralized Soho house, if you like. If that's what you're into, there is a sort of one end of it can feel quite country clubby. One of it can end of it can feel like you know almost a semi revolutionary way for communities to be built around the world. The thing that unites a lot of them, and this I actually include um, Board Ape in this, is that the art seems really cheap and kind of, uh, it's unappealing to me personally. On top of all of that, there's also just this rug pulls and the the, the general air of, of, of scamminess that, that pervades just the constant flow of these things. How do you, um, you know, what, what in terms of the staff of, of Glorious, you know, how do you, do you, do you stay on top of those things? And, and do you sort of fear that you, obviously you're at the start of this enormous opportunity, but the, the whole thing is, it feels like to the minds of some being tainted by both the, the rug pull scam end of the market, but also, as you alluded to, the fact that the blockchain itself and crypto um, more specifically has become synonymous with a kind of um, a negative environmental externality that people claim to be trying to solve and but just doesn't seem to quite get solved. Yeah, on every level there, you can sort of see the challenge it is to actually sort of find um, find your story through all of this kind of noise, you know, and for us, um, that is the landscape for sure. We've got um, a, lot of, a lot of noise around, you know, these memberships and, and, and what they um, what they propose to sell. Look, I think there's some you know incredible opportunities in those memberships. And someone um, said to me once, it's a little bit like buying if, if you know if you can think of a world like a Fortnite, for example, um, and there's ten thousand memberships to Fortnite, and you buy one, you're, you're not just buying um, you're you're buying into a whole new universe. You're actually buying into a whole new amount of IP and you're almost one of the owners, you know, of that of that new sort of metaverse, I guess. And so that's what a lot of people are buying into. They're buying into the, the there's a speculative aspect, I think, for, for most most people. Um, which is, you know, a little it's it's you, you, you can't ignore that. And then you've got this idea of identity. Um, the fact that we are heading towards a place where more and more people are spending time online and their values are in communities that they're finding online, whether that's people who are, share the same vaccine position or QAnon position. You know, there are, there are people are finding their people and other people online, and that's why these communities are so valuable. Now, the art around them, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I, I think maybe because I've seen them so often now, these sort of crypto punks and, and bored apes in particular, it's sort of starting to... I'm, I'm realizing that they're the zeitgeist. So 2022, we will look back on those and we'll go, this was, the, this was where it moved. This is where the needle moved. And this is where Christie's and Sotheby's um, decided to embrace this new form of fine art. So I actually think those two um, in particular will, will outlive a lot of the noise that's going on. But I would say that I'm probably not alone in saying this. No one really knows quite where we're heading, but I'd have to say that this sort of junky speculative nonsense that sort of pervades the marketplace, they'll just all die and disappear. How do we 
how do we sort of stay above it? And again, it comes back to why did we choose on masterpieces? Why did we choose on fine art? We thought, well, they endure. They're not going anywhere. They're magnificent if we can keep the edition sizes low, if we can, you know, um, honour our artists in doing so, then we're going to be okay. Um, but, you know, that's that's one part of your question. I guess the other is the environmental aspects. Um, I think the Ethereum blockchain was never designed for NFTs, this many NFTs to live on it. So it's highly unsustainable. And they're working very hard towards sort of a 2.0 version um, which is, you know, an entirely different model for them. And I really hope they get there. And I think if they do, they'll be the largest sort of company in the world and they'll revolutionise the way we all interact. But until that happens, you know, there's an opportunity for New Zealand companies like um, Centrality and SenseNet to sort of, you know, show a, a different alternative in a different way. So taking the high ground is really hard, I guess, in, in this space, but we're really up for the challenge. Um, and, you know, as I said before, by taking that high road, we're actually attracting um, incredible international sort of, um, you know, talent who are, who are sort of wanting to partner with us. So I feel really, really good about where we've landed. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of noise. I mean, a lot of my family members even are sort of, they don't even really understand what it is that I do or what the space is. We have a, we have a founding membership, the Glorious Founding Membership. It's, it's um, there's a thousand of those. And, again, the whole point of that founding membership, taking a little bit from Bored Apes and, 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 and the like, is that this idea of community for, for people who, who adopted, who were a digital pioneer, I guess, who supported us from an early, an early stage, we want to just take them on our journey. We want to take them on our journey and we want to, make, we want to reward them magnificently, surprise and delight them with beautiful um, and evolving artwork, access to, to our releases, um, social events and and every now and then just surprise them with beautiful artworks that they can keep for themselves or sell if they want to. And I think that for us just reminds us what it is that we're doing, that there's a community of people out there that, you know, that, that we can create, um, that we can that we can sort of take this, you know, digital art story to. So, I mean, that, that kind of naturally leads into the discussions about uh, Web3. And again, you can, there, there are um, whole podcast series and, and multi-essay, <laughs> uh, you know, se- series out there which, um, which, which only scratch the surface of it. And a lot of it, you know, the, the sort of the fun of it is also the downside of it. So much of it feels very theoretical, uh, very much vaporware at, at the moment. But the idea of trying to build something new that solves for a lot of the, the known issues of the kind of um, corporatized, owned by the pipes, uh, Web 2.0 era is, is very attractive to me. So to tell me more about the, the, this glorious membership and, and, and about you know, the extent to which that interacts with, with the nascent Web3 and, and how you as a company are thinking about what feels to me like, you know, when I think about it, it feels like almost like a new form of capitalism that is able to route around some of the things that have been pernicious known problems that we haven't really been able to, to address and, and sort of quote-unquote, Western democracies. Um, yeah, well, well, let, let, tell, tell me about the, the memberships and, and, and how all that stuff interacts with, with these big ideas. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, at, at, at simplest, I don't know if we've got a huge agenda with what we're sort of trying to go out there and achieve with our membership. I think there is an honest um, approach to what we're trying to do, which is that no one really quite knows what the space is doing, but we know that it's inevitable. 
we know that ultimately more and more and more of our life is going to be spent in, in, in digital worlds, whether that be um, what Mark Zuckerberg's proposing with sort of glasses that we put on, or whether it's actually, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. It freaks me out. Um, it certainly, uh, you know, certainly doesn't get my juices flowing every day. I mean, even the idea that... He's just not a responsible custodian of anything. And I don't think when you've got a... Uh, something that he has made that is effectively, I think, is in the process of like becoming a, a sort of a failed digital state. The idea that he would then be the person to create the next one, I just don't see why as a species we would sign up for that. But that's just my specific take. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm 100% with you. 100% with you. I don't, I don't um, look what we've ended up with Facebook. You know, look what we've ended up with sort of the division that that, that, that sort of causes. And, you know, the idea that, that we're going to extend that even further um, into these sort of fake versions of ourselves online, um, you know, with with various clothing things. I mean, that, to me, I'm just not even slightly interested. In that. I mean, you, you asked before, do I keep up with today with all of that or do my team keep up to date with all of that? You know, and, and our team, we've got people who are really active collectors of NFTs um, and power to them. And I learn a lot from them without actually having to go and buy them myself. And again, they're immersed in those worlds. They're on Discord channels all day long. Um, they're on Roblox. They're looking at Decentraland for different real estate options. And where can we build our glorious kind of, you know, uh, metaphor? Mm. Where can we build our glorious museum? And look, Will glorious NFTs live in the metaverse? 100%, you know, absolutely. If that's where we're heading, then wherever we're heading, let's make sure we've got beautiful content there and beautiful quality there. So, you know, let's make it a place of real beauty. Um, do I want to spend all of my time there? Hell no. You know, uh, we, we, you know that's, not, that's not interesting to me. And that's certainly not a goal of what we're trying to do. We're just trying to immortalize art. We're just trying to pass on to the next generation and give them an opportunity to collect art um, and to enjoy it and to really look after our artists in doing so. So in terms of the sort of political and socio-political questions around where NFTs are heading, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's possibly very scary where it's heading, you know? I, I, and, and at the same time, it's inevitable. And so if we're going to all go there together, then let's just make sure we're doing something with real integrity, real authenticity, and community of people around you to support each other in it. The, so, so I'm conscious that we're running short of time, but the the thing that I want to get from you finally is basically a sense of where where this is going, how how the market grows. Because what you've done right now, a lot to admire about it, but it unavoidably sits in the category of something that is very much available to and targeting elites and people of very considerable means who can create what you know who can make what is on some level a speculative investment or bet on on this category being what it presents as being in some lights uh sure. the the thing that was amazing about what um dapper labs and top shots did for for the nba and now ufc and so on was the that big democratizing um effect that it had and and making it accessible to to more people now you've made references to additions of a hundred or a thousand is there there are, you know, and, and right now, you know, both the additions that you've done, almost brilliant kind of content marketing for this thing amongst a particular group. But then there is a, a wider thing of for this to be true, truly realize that potential of it to democratize and, and make sense of some of these kind of known issues with both society and NFTs, it needs to have a way of, of going much broader than that. How, how do you see that playing out? And, and is that 
Can you still be glorious and about masterpieces while also being accessible to everyone? Yeah, it's a, it's a great challenge for us, and, and, and we've we're at the very beginning of our journey. You know, we're two weeks old, and we have we've decided to sort of go out with these legacy plays to start with, um, but ultimately, you know. The intention is that we make this as accessible to people as possible. It's, it's certainly not designed to be elitist. It's designed to be glorious. It's and, and that and 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 in all its beauty and its accessibility. But we just it's just the quality that actually determines what we release. There will be times absolutely where an artist will come along and they'll say, "I actually want to do an edition of a hundred thousand of this, and I want to give it away for free." Will you do that? And I'll say. That fills my heart with joy. Absolutely, we'll do that. Another one will come along and say, hey, look, um, you know, with everything going on in Ukraine at the moment, I want to create a new work and I want everything that we raise from that to go to this particular fund. And I say glorious. And, and I think that's where you can expect to go with us. Um, you know, that's core values to who we are. So it's certainly not an elite play, even though we're um, starting off in that place because it gets it's it's – those those stories are, and, and this this idea of immortalizing content from estates and passing on to the next generation is really you know um, valid and, and 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 a really kind of core core part of who we are. But at the same time, we wanted to take people on a on a journey into you know beautiful worlds and with artists and the artists. We we work collaboratively so closely. You know what is the goal of the artist here? What is their intention? Um, you, you know, when you're dealing with an estate, you've got to be you've got to be protective. Um, you've got to sort of create things that are that keep the value there. Others just want to explore different ideas, different mediums, and, and we're here for that too. Amazing! Thank you so much, Tim. That this, you know, I, I do think the space is fascinating, and you are participating in, in a very deliberate and con- considered way. And uh, be excited to watch what you run. Oh, cheers, mate! Thanks so much. That was Tim Harper, the CEO of Glorious on the Fold. I want to thank Vodafone for sponsoring us. Uh, Tiahe Butler for um, recording, engineering, editing uh, my digital masterpieces. I want to thank Jane Yee for, for her superb work running the Spinoff Podcast Network. If you haven't listened to the episode of Gone by Lunchtime with Simon Bridges from a couple of weeks back, get amongst. It's very, very good. And become a Spinoff member. You're like... You make make fun stuff possible. The more members we have, the more stuff we can do. Really enjoying that at the moment. So, um, yeah, thanks. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Kia ora e te iwi, Tiaihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.